Ladies and gentlemen and everybody else listening around the world, you're back here on the Woody Allen Retrospective podcast on our continuing project, Woody Allen Adjacent, the project where me and my host, James Daniel Walsh, continue to talk about other movies around the world in cinema that we relate to Woody Allen's filmmaking, film writing, whatever we can. It's just a great time to just talk about other movies and relate to Woody Allen in some way, shape or form. And on that note, let me reintroduce my buddy, my co-host with the most, James Daniel Walsh, sir. Thank you for continuing to join me on this adventure. Well, thank you for joining me on this Manic Expression adventure we're on. Hey, yes, we are. If you're Well, we're going to take snippets of this and put it on the YouTube channel Manic Expression. So if you don't know what we're talking about, well, you'll know. We're going to be talking about it as things go along. But yes, I'm happy to be putting video clips of this on manic expression we, we've spoke about this on previous episodes but yeah we're here now we've got a lot to talk about and as you know we've been doing this for a while years 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 and years on the last recording we spoke about a movie that i know james loved with his heart and soul heart and soul the shape of things if you missed that discussion last time i'll put a link in the top right hand corner of the youtube card don't forget we've got a playlist of all those previous discussions going over woody allen adjacent the woody allen movie reviews as well and we're moving forward with another movie now last time at the end of the recording for the shape of things i said it was james turn i misspoke i misspoke it was my turn i get two james gets one but you know what in the spirit of kinmanship i said james take it anyway I'm greedy. You have another one on me. James, what movie are we going to be talking about today? Today, we are going to be talking about the 2012 romantic comedy, Two Days in New York, directed by and starring, starring Julie Dupley. Whoa, who, who, who wrote and directed this, James? Uh, the, the star of the uh, movies that we previously discussed, the Before Trilogy, and also starring Chris Rock, who uh, we spoke about on Top, uh, top 5. Oh my god, you know, I don't have my soundboard here. Oh dear, 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 dear. We got two <laughs> actors that we've spoken about quite heavily in previous recordings for multiple reasons. But before I ramble on and get into that, um James man, how tell me about the movie. What do you think about the movie? Why did you recommend the movie? And then I will tell you my experience with this movie movie movies because I have a surprising history with this. So why don't you go first, James? Why are we talking about this movie today? Well, we're talking about it because I stumbled upon it on HBO Max. And uh, out of curiosity, I, rem I remember seeing a trailer for it back when it came out. And uh, I watched that trailer again. And it said in there, you know, that this ranks among uh, the the best of the uh, the movies that were inspired by Woody Allen. So that made me go, oh, well, all right. I got to take note of that. And uh, I am just now learning, as I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, that this is a sequel mm -hmm. to a movie called Two Days in Paris, uh, which I did not know until about one minute ago. So, <laughs> uh, But it doesn't really matter because there's nothing... I, I didn't... Uh, if I didn't know that this was a, a sequel now, it didn't bother me. I wasn't, like, lost or anything, trying to figure mm -hmm. out what was going on. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I saw Julie Duffley, I saw Chris Rock, I saw In the Tradition of Woody Allen, and I thought, well, this seems like an obvious one for us to do. And did you like the movie, James? 
I liked it quite a bit in certain spots. Other spots made me very uncomfortable, <laughs> mm-hmm. like triggered anxiety in me. I didn't, I, I, I had a weird experience with it though, because there were no subtitles for, and a lot of this movie is in French. Whoa, for you? Wow. It wasn't, it wasn't until about halfway through the movie that I thought, oh, I'll just, I'll just turn on the closed captioning and then I'll be able to read the subtitles that way. So <laughs> for the first half of the movie, I have no idea what was said uh... in, uh, in certain scenes. I could kind of get it through their body language and everything, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I read along for, uh, the rest of the movie. Well, then you would be just like Chris Watts' character because he yes. didn't really understand most of it. That's what I, I'm wondering if that was intentional, if maybe it just doesn't have subtitles. Um, your your version did? It did. It's the whole thing. I don't know why the version on HBO <laughs> Max doesn't, but it doesn't. I, I well, sat there thinking, okay, maybe I'm just supposed to be lost. I don't no, know. You no, know, you're right. I mean, I know this isn't... This, I, I, I don't think this is being pedantic, but Subtitles and closed caption are, are two different things. That's why they're called two different things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you do. That's what people assume is subtitles as well. So, so some would argue that you should have just used your fucking brain and pressed closed caption. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, was, no, no. it wasn't until halfway through where I, where I yeah. went, oh, I could just do that. Why didn't, why didn't I think of that? No, no, but my version I watched on Google Play, it just it said subtitles. So I just... That happens a lot, and I've learned that with watching Japanese anime in some sites. Anyway, we're getting off topic here, but yeah, um, I'm glad you like the movie um, because I I don't know how to describe how I felt about it, but because I'm conflicted, to be honest with you, I'm conflicted. Bef- I I liked parts of the movie, and everything I liked about the movie was most of the ingredients. But ironically, and very, very, very ironically, what I didn't like was the execution. And I say ironically, because in this movie, the movie we're reviewing, the sequel, there's a part of the movie where there's a critic talking to Judy Deppley about her work, where he says the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I've got that clip, which I'll play later. And um, I'm going to jump in. We'll go back and forth as always. And I want to say that I, just like you, I didn't know about the original's existence until not even after watching the movie. I didn't know. And then I, I think I was reading reviews on what people felt about it. And then they said it was a, um, you know, it was a sequel. So I, I said, you know what? i got some time. Let me watch the original. And then I realized I watched the original before. Mm. Yeah. I've seen the original and there's a, a bit of a, a, a bit of a personal reason why I've, it really sticks in my mind the first movie so um i just want to say this this the sequel and i agree with you james you, i don't feel you have to watch the first one to enjoy the second one but this second movie to me was very manic mm-hmm. and although judy Deppley and chris rock are the main characters it starts to feel more of an ensemble piece like the other character judy Deppley's family and we'll talk we'll get into the um premise of the movie in a moment folks but i just want to say i felt the family on the whole overshadowed the two characters and just the manic energy between it, between the family just kind of overrid everything else. And I personally, not because Chris Rock was the only black man in the movie, really, 
I felt like Chris Rock through the whole movie. I just felt like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on? This family's crazy. And I couldn't step back and enjoy this as a movie because the family was so fucking aggravating. Yes. I just, I just felt like I'm not really enjoying this as an audience member. I just feel, I feel so much like Chris Rock's character that, you know, you know, I want to, I want to step away and talk about this movie in its bits and pieces. But I just couldn't separate myself from the movie because the characters were too annoying. But the characters were well written. It's a very natural movie. I think it's a very well put together movie. And I think in terms of directing the narrative and everything, it's an enjoyable movie. I can easily see that. Not a movie that I dislike because it's a bad movie at all. Just because I just. I came away from the movie feeling that it's just more the energy of the movie took over the narrative and took over what Judy Deppley was trying to do, in my opinion, where the first movie, which I rewatched today, feels more more like a Woody, even more this second one is like a Woody Allen movie as well, don't get me wrong. But not not as manic. The first movie, Two Two Nights in Paris, is much more traditional much it just follows that a little bit more closely and i enjoy that a little bit more but i've i've spoken a lot so i'll let you pick up where i left off james i just wanted i kind of wanted to like this movie more than i did but i was just so frustrated by the energy of the manic family which was done really well even Mm -hmm. though i wasn't a fan but i just was like by the end of the movie when it was over i was just like "Ah, that was really fucking weird yeah well, and if you're frustrated by their energy the way you watched it, try watching it the way I did, where you didn't know what the hell they were saying yeah. for the first half of it. And so it was just noise. Yeah. It was just constant noise. And that is one thing that, like like I said, the things that I liked, I really liked. I think that this this might be, of all the movies that we've watched, this might be the one where I feel the Woody Allen influence the most. Mm. like the the opening felt like it the narration felt like it julie delpley's character felt like a, a woody allen type character there's even the you know some of the music i felt like could have could have come out of a woody allen movie mm-hmm. uh it felt very much much like i was watching like a like a lost woody allen movie for for some of it and even just the you know a lot of the um the cultural stuff of the way that uh, her family looks at Chris Rock reminded me of, you know, Woody going and meeting Diane Keaton's family in Annie Hall. And that sort of, you know, or the, the grandmother's looking at him and she imagines, imagines him as like a, a rabbi. Yeah. That it, I, I got those vibes from this. The stuff between her and Chris Rock is the stronger stuff. Hmm. The stuff with the family, especially like the, the stuff I really didn't like was the the sister and her boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Who the boyfriend is just a complete scumbag. Piece of shit. And Piece of shit. Yeah. I'm wondering because about halfway through the movie, mm. uh, this idiot decides while he's in New York to just light up a joint in front yeah. of a, a police station and he gets deported. And I'm wondering if that is because Julie Delpley was like, this character's not working and I don't have the money to go back and refilm, but I need to get rid of this character because he's awful. I mean, even before that, the thing that happened when he bought the, 
got the dealer to come to the house right in front of them mm-hmm. you know might have been and if you look at interviews for these movies this and the first movie she's taking things from her life from her culture very authentic and i will say this it's very authentic it feels very re- well the first movie seems very authentic with their culture their language you know all these things that like some people can say are stereotypes about the French. They're very fast talking, very free willed and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. She's playing it up, but there's a lot of truth in this. She says it's in her life. You know, the guy playing her father is her real father. Yeah. <laughs> and in the first movie, it was her real mother, you know, and you know, it's really cool to, and exactly everything you said, I a hundred percent agree. Now, my problem is, and we went, we, I don't want to say we railed on Judy Deppley when we spoke about Before Midnight, but mm-hmm. on the last two movies of the Before Trilogy that have, well, to this day, the last two that came out before Sunset and, Sun, and Midnight, she got more dramatic. Things got mm. much more dramatic for her. And this movie, to me, you know, if you look at the genre, since it's a comedy, I'm not really laughing because, you know, there's dry humor. You know, we say, mm-hmm. they say us Brits have a lot of cold, dry humor and deadpan humor. And, you know, Chris Rock has got that here as well, but it just doesn't work for her. If Woody Allen was delivering her exact lines and doing her exact same character, I would be on the floor laughing because mm. everything she's written here is great. I mean, there is a very, I wouldn't even say tongue-in-cheek, ham-fisted, deep-cut joke about her being an artist and selling her soul. Yeah. I mean, it. you know, it's beyond apparent what she's doing to the point where she sells it, they have a discussion about it, she gets into a fight about it. It's a great bit. I'm like, this is something Woody Allen would have done back in the mm-hmm. 80s perfectly. And it's funny, but she, she doesn't pull it off for me. It doesn't. It doesn't, I don't know, maybe another actor or actress could have done it, but I just was like, this is great material, but you, you're just too much for me. She's a very dramatic actor when it comes to drama and being very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, I don't want to just say emotional, that's a bit too simple, but she does very complex, miserable, very dry, you know, she does that so well, but here i feel like there's times where she's trying to be like darkly funny like there's a, a bit where she says she's got a brain tumor and with with one of her neighbors in the elevator and then that develops into a scene where the neighbor's husband comes and chris rocks plays off of her it's just not that funny see that was the stuff i laughed at <laughs> yeah i mean the setup was great but for her her delivery to me it's just like you're just a fucking asshole yeah when Woody would do it I would be like this is wrong but I can't help myself but laughing but I'm just like you are just like Chris again I feel like Chris Walk what is Uh wrong with you this isn't even funny you are crazy before anyone accuses you of being sexist by saying well he could pull it off but she can't the thing about her character here and in the last two uh, before movies you know, and these are all movies that she either had a hand in writing or wrote herself and or directed. So I get a feeling this is actually kind of her personality. This is this is sort of really her. Mm-hmm. And the difference between her and Woody is that Julie kind of has a bit of a chip on her shoulder 
as mm. far as Woody is always in on the joke and he's okay with even being the butt of the joke. Whereas she doesn't want to be the butt of the joke, even when she's written it for her to be the butt of the joke. Mm. She kind of gets offended. You could see her kind of, you know, you know, what are you doing? What, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm, I, 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 you can't make fun of me. What do you mean? It's like, mm. she gets very manic and very sort of defensive. Woody wouldn't get defensive. Woody would sort of roll with it. Yeah. And the stuff like, you know, she takes her sister to to do yoga with her and her sister doesn't wear a bra and so her breast is falling out. There's a lot of, uh, I thought, funny bits of like, you know, the sister walking around naked uh, just to get attention and her reaction to that, which I thought was funny, but it was also frustrated funny it was maybe a little bit too a little less sort of comedic and a little bit more this is how you would really react to this yeah which can be funny but it's not falling on the floor funny and this is to me like the the person who didn't get a laugh out of me the whole movie was chris rock who and I, I don't even mean that because he's kind of playing it as he's he's playing the straight, straight guy, man. straight man, definitely. And he does a pretty good job. This was to me next to top five. This was maybe the most convincing, yeah, performance I've seen from him as an actor. Where I really bought him as this guy, and I liked their chemistry. I liked his frustration with, I I, I liked his reaction to things, which was like get them out of my house. Mm-hmm. His reaction wasn't sort of like, oh, my in-laws are in town. And, you know, it's sort of almost like a sitcom. Uh, his reaction was the reaction that I would have, which is no. Uh, that guy just bought drugs in front of my daughter. And, yeah. you know, uh, he's he's he, he's constantly saying these horribly racist things and embarrassing me in front of people. And your sister's walking around naked. Get them out of my house. And I liked that that was sort of his reaction to it i thought that it at the end which we'll get to it it gets a little bit sappy oh, it gets a little bit like it it does that thing that i i really hate where you know they'll have a, a the family from hell and they're doing things that you would never put up with in real life but the moral of the story is they're family and because they're family you have to put up with them because they you know family's there for each other and it's like this that's bullshit people who come into your life and and are terrible to you i don't care if they, they're related to you by blood or not get them out of your life if they're just going to you know make you miserable every time you see them and the you know even to, i liked that like her defense was like yeah you're right my sister and her boyfriend need to go but not my father like you know he he we i want him to stay i want him to i i and and then chris rock compromises it it felt very mm -hmm. sort of realistic in that way it's like this is what a couple would do mm -hmm. she would agree with him that they're being awful but she would say okay but my father's not that bad you can't lump him in with the rest of them and then chris rock goes okay fine your father can stay but the other two have to go it felt like okay this is a healthy relationship Sure. Between these two people. And I liked that. I, it felt very uh, natural to me. Whereas, the you're right, the rest of the family, the the dad is sort of cute in a 
really annoying kind of way. And then the sister and the, the boyfriend are just awful. And yeah, I, I wanted them to just go away. And when the, I was so relieved when the boyfriend got deported. I just thought, oh, thank God, I don't have to put up with this guy for the rest of the movie. Probably my main criticism for the movie is that if this movie was a, a cast of all actors on the same level, you know, just a whole bunch of no names and you see this family drama, then I would have been a bit more forgiving of what I feel I felt like I was going to see a movie about kind of Chris Rock and Judy Deppley play off each other for most of the movie and the family come in a little bit and but you mostly spend the time with Judy Deppley and Chris Rock and that wasn't my experience. My experience was Chris Rock and Judy Deppley are there with the family for 90% of the movie and the mm -hmm. family kind of over are right there with them and 100% agree with you by the way. Chris Rock for me, he is pretty much a side dish. He's the only... A a straight man, which again, people expect comedy from Chris Rock because he's a world-class comedian. You don't really get it, which is fine. Let him, like you said, let him act. Let's see this more serious side of him. But it just doesn't really, it's good to see he can play it straight. He can act convincingly and is very natural, but there's nothing to it. And one of the bits that I guess he thought was funny, which just wasn't was that him on Obama shit. Mm. He has this pin-up uh, uh, cardboard cut out of Obama that he just has these like kind of fake conversations with. And it's not really funny. It's funny for two minutes, but there's one scene in the end where it just goes on for like five, seven minutes. And I'm just like, dude, this... I mean, the cast are probably laughing behind the camera with you. But me watching the film is like, this is going on too long. And... It builds up expectation that, you know, Obama might actually show up at the end of the film, which I want to come for. You know what? He might actually interview Obama at the end of this movie, which gets tanked because of Judy Debbie's uh, family. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just like, okay, so Chris Rock isn't really funny. The bit, I think he tried to, you know, um, spotlight himself being a bit quirky, just kind of falls flat. And then by the end of the movie, it's just like, why did you hire Chris Rock really? Just because he's a star, but he doesn't do anything really. Not even he obviously subverts your expectations by not doing a comedy film, which is fine. Plays a straight man, just just left me wanting for him. So I, and then he's in my mind, not even in a way he's not even in the movie that much, just because the energy of Judy Deppie's family is so strong and he's mm. raining against them. I'm just like, okay. So, and as for Judy Deppley, like I said, this, you know, when you watch the first movie off this one, this movie just feels like I had my movie in the first one. It's about her and her partner, just like the first before movie is about her and Ethan Hawke. So you get that in the first movie. And this is, no, this is my family's movie. I'm my other boyfriend. And I'll play some clips where she talks about what she wanted to do with this movie. And watching this movie in the context of seeing both of them, I'm just like, I can clearly see this is meant to be more about her family. She had her movie and her one relationship with, with the child that carries over in this movie. But for this one, it's just a family manic movie with a lot of great ingredients that for me, even putting inside the first movie was just a bit kind of just a way more manic than I thought. But, you know, I don't just want to keep on complaining about the movie. 
I'm very impressed with him as a director, to be perfectly honest with you, because a lot of the things he's done from a technical aspect are really well. Like you said, the way the movie's constructed with all the clips and her narration, really done very well. And um, on that note, I'm going to play the first clip where she talks about what she wanted to do with the sequel, and then we'll come back and start. I, again, I don't want to really harp on this movie as much because this is a film, I think this might be the third film she directed, and it's really good. I never would have, if you never told me she directed and made this movie, I wouldn't have thought it was her. I would have, sexist man that I am, thought it was just another Richard Linklater, Woody Allen, some other white male esteemed comedian. So when I look at this for the, you know, the bits and pieces, the ingredients, very well put together movie. For her writing, directing and starring, I think this is a very strong act for her. So, on that note, let me play this clip where she talks about making the sequel, and then we'll go back and forth with some of the other things that I want to highlight. I didn't think about doing a sequel when I, sh I was shooting the first film. First of all, the first film, no one wanted to produce it. We barely got financing. So, you know, <laughs> you don't think of a sequel when you can't really get a movie made. You know, so we barely made it, you know, and the film got very successful. And after a few months, you know, I started thinking, okay, I've explored something very tiny within the relationship of my own. And what would happen if a few years later, you know, it took me a year or two to, to really think of a, you know, conceptualize the sequel and everything. Like what would happen in a more grown up uh, kind of situation with kids and, you know, maybe she broke up with Jack and then she has a new boyfriend and where is she at five, four years later or whatever. And, uh, and when I started thinking of a sequel, I thought, okay, who would be the new boyfriend? And I thought of Chris. And I, I sort of didn't really want, like, I saw, got so attached with the idea of Chris in my head, you know, that I was like, I don't really want to do it with anyone else. So should I just like be ballsy and just call his agent and say, you know, would Chris be remotely interested? And I are said, you, yes. Are, an hour later, I got a phone call saying you would be remotely interested. I was in. <laughs> if the script is any good, he said. Uh, you know, I just said, if there are words on the page. If there's words on the page and it's not too madness so i wrote a screenplay with him in mind and um then i sent him the screenplay and he yeah. said yes yeah so talking about the first movie a little bit because i don't really feel like we need to in the future do a review for the first movie because the first movie and this movie complement each other very well like i said in my opinion the first movie is more focused on her relationship with her first partner and her thoughts on that and again very much a little bit more like not exactly that before uh, Sunrise, but just where you've seen her interact with one person. She does interact with her family a lot more, a lot in that movie as well, but not as much as this movie. This movie, the family and the manic, <laughs> manic energies really take over. But the reason why I mentioned before that this movie, the first, I forgot I had watched that first movie, completely forgot its existence, except for one thing, which was a little bit personal to me, and I'll explain. So, uh, I've said this on other videos for years, that I'm partially sighted. I had brain surgeries when I was a teenager, and uh, my eyesight got a little bit fucked up. And Judy Deppley, in the first movie, she explains she has an eye condition as well. And as a filmmaker, she shows you what she sees, and that always stuck in my mind. I've never seen someone actually show a visual impairment as part of their filmmaking. So as soon as I saw that, I thought, oh shit, I've watched this movie. I remember. 
Now, funny enough, I remember that part of the movie and nothing else because uh, the first movie, it's good. Good dialogue, just like this movie. Uh, interesting, dysfunctional relationship. Obviously, it doesn't work out. That's why this movie that we're talking about today is a sequel to that. Um, but I really felt like I was really surprised to find out she written and directed both films because they are very masterfully done. I'll play another clip where she talks about learning from other directors. Very very crafty hand at what she's done here and um i'll let you speak in one more moment james i just want to say that you know she speaks about when i made these movies i was making it to show that you know i don't just want to be a typical woman in a typical rom-com i want to show my diversity and my own mind and not let my partners take over my life and i think she's you know from the performers we've definitely seen she's an independent person a creative person intelligent person but from the exterior as a writing director, these two movies under a belt are really great in in terms of craft. But again, the second one is really gobbled up for me by the energy of a family. <laughs> and that's why I would say definitely go back and watch the first one for probably a little bit more of what you might expect from a movie from someone who was in the before trilogy and someone who is that. Um, but last point I want to say is you're 100% right, James. Her personality shines through and even though she's playing a different character than the ones we saw in the before trilogy, you know, I still see her. I still see her energy and, you know, she put a lot of her real life into these movies. She said it. She got her real parents, her real beliefs. Her mum says a lot about having abortions in that first movie, which was when she was um, born, it was against uh, their country doctrine or something. So, a lot of truth are in these movies. A lot of her real beliefs are in these movies, as well as these quirky, fun stories. And yeah, I want to give my hats off to her. And I think she's do, she did a really great job. Yeah, like I said, I mean, the, the fact that I would say, you know, I Love You Daddy was Louis C.K. desperately trying to be Woody Allen. And, and it, that, that desperation was just palpable you know mm. here i think julie Delpley pretty effortlessly pulls off making a woody allen type movie mm-hmm. she doesn't draw attention to it there was no, you know there wasn't like the oh okay it's gonna have the you know the credits with the jazz score in the beginning and it's gonna you know there's gonna be a lot of talk about her being in therapy or whatever i, I didn't I just, I felt that influence without feeling like she was trying to copy him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her character is maybe the closest to, like, the Woody archetype. The nervous and, you know, talks really fast and, you know. Um, and yet it wasn't grading it wasn't kenneth brana in celebrity yeah. you know it wasn't somebody who's doing an impression of woody it was somebody who just i think feels connected to him mm. i don't know how she feels about him now because this movie is 10 years old and you know i'm pretty sure now she'd have she'd feel obligated to say horrible things about him um although i don't know because the french are a lot more forgiving to woody than yeah. um uh, americans are but yeah, I I just felt like, you know, the you talked about the scene in the elevator with with where the neighbor is 
angry about all the noise and you know says i'm gonna get you evicted and the only thing that that her character can do is just be like i have a brain tumor and i have like three weeks to live and you know and then that kind of does pay off towards the end where her art exhibition isn't doing well until like the neighbors show up because they want to buy some of her art because they think she's going to die and then there's a rush and suddenly her show is successful so it's sort of like there's a setup to that and there ends up being a payoff instead of it just sort of you know not going anywhere at all although i just felt like too like that probably would be one of my criticisms for it is i felt like she wasn't really that invested in the art she had this show her family was coming into town for it she was doing this thing where she was selling her soul and everything she didn't seem all that invested in it not in the way that chris rock's character is invested in his career yeah it felt like when she thinks it's it, that the show's kind of flopping and that nobody nobody's gonna buy any of the art and she's maybe her career is finished she doesn't seem as torn up about it as she does about other things going on around her and I don't know this is where like I I feel like that there's a sloppiness to this movie this movie isn't as exact as what a Woody Allen movie would be it comes across mostly in the family the scenes with the the family like I can't even you know I Granted, I've not had to spend time with, like, a French family, but uh, I don't think that they would act like cartoon characters, which is what I felt like was happening in this. Definitely. You know? Definitely. They're just, the, there's a, a, a really strange energy that the father gives off to where he's the most likable of the family, but he's also, like, I don't, like, he gets a little bit too close to Chris Rock. Oh, that's he's a little seemed... too... I like, think there was a scene where Christopher was trying to talk to him and he was mm -hmm. just trying to translate something and that scene went on uh, and I'm yeah. trying to remember exactly what he was saying but it went incredibly uncomfortable but as we know as if I, I haven't got the clip for this but Chris Fox says he didn't understand what they were saying <laughs> yeah. for the most part so I guess and I think it will come up in another clip Judy Deppie said they didn't rehearse a lot a lot of this was genuine and you know they just went for it and again the authenticness comes across 100 percent. but again i'll say it's 100 well i didn't say this exactly but i really wish i saw chris rock and julie depp lee's relationship develop because mm -hmm. in the first 10 minutes they speak about how they got together but you never see it yeah you never feel it develop like ethan hawk and her I, i'm not trying to compare this to the before as much i'm just saying that when i saw the cover of the movie that's what i thought i was going to see because in the first movie that's what her relationship was about with the other guy i can't remember that to something goldberg but and i really wanted to see that dynamic as well you know they're for those who care a multi you know uh racial in relationship she's half uh, American uh, French as well. It's nice to see the dynamic and they play a bit of the culture thing up a little bit, you know, more for the racist comedy, which is okay. But I really wanted to actually see, you know, the actual chemistry and it's there, but I don't think they spent enough time on it, which is again, part of my frustration because they're 
Chris Rock, I, I have no doubt he could have sold it. We saw that in top five as well. We've seen other movies. And Judy Depp is a master at romantic romance, period. So, again, I was left wanting, and all we got for, again, 80% of the movie, in my opinion, was a lot of this zany family just constantly arguing with Judy Deppley or frustrating her. And then the, a lot of the, the time she had with Chris Rock was them bickering about her family mm. and him being, you know, understandably frustrated and her just being frazzled by, again, her career, her family, possible pregnancy. And it's just like, damn, I really wanted to see you guys play off each other. But And, then, yeah. and you just brought up something that, that I do feel like there was a setup and no payoff to which mm. is the actor Vincent Gallo appears in the movie. Yeah. And uh, real quick, because I'm never going to get a chance to sure. mention this again. Sure. Anybody out there who's interested in something, like th- th- go out and watch his movie Brown Bunny. Um, okay. Because it's, um, I've not watched that movie except for a uh, five minute scene that you can only see on a porn site <laughs> okay because he has the actress i think her name is uh uh i'm gonna butcher it lily Sobleski. Mm. give him a blowjob in that movie mm. like an actual real one it kind of ruined her career for a while her her uh agency dropped her after she did it and everything and when you find out that he's not only the star of the movie, but he also wrote it and directed it, you get an idea of what this guy is like. Mm. So the fact that he's playing himself in the movie as a complete asshole, I thought was funny. But there's a mention that, you know, he and Julie Delpley get into a, a fist fight and she says, he punched me in the stomach. And I thought when Chris Rock finds the pregnancy test and it turns out that she's actually pregnant, I thought, oh, shit, she's going to have lost the baby. And, you know, maybe there'll be this sort of dramatic. It's just never brought up again. Mm. It just seemed like a weird, like my brain immediately made that connection when Mm. she said, you know, he punched me in the stomach. I instantly thought, oh, shit, she's lost the baby. Interesting. And... It's just, it it just, that that scene made me uncomfortable. Where, as as any scene with Vincent Gallo now does. <laughs> wow. After, I, after I've seen that scene in The Brown Body. Um, you know, as much as she's sort of, Julie Delpy is very, very, very pro-feminist. She's very out an, an outspoken feminist. It felt like a very unfeminist thing. I don't know. It, it it just made me uncomfortable. Like this guy kind of psychologically torturing her a bit and then assaulting her. Granted, she like hit him first, but, you know, she weighs all of like 125 pounds. He probably could have gotten off of her without punching her in the stomach. Well, uh, I know in my mind, I thought that was, you know, I know this is not even splitting hairs, but I feel like they do that in movies when they don't, when they say hitting a woman in the face and hitting them somewhere else seems to be two different things altogether. Now, don't get me wrong. I know I'm not trying to mm. minimalize attacking a woman. I'm just saying it feels like they tried to minimalize it by saying he never hit me in the face because if she wrote that, 
instead of the stomach, then Chris Rock, we we would have to see Chris Rock follow yeah. up on that. Because Chris, he doesn't even react to it. He's more concerned with like, he thinks that she, you know, she, there's a, it's, it's, it's a complicated thing, but he, yeah. he's like thinking that she cheated. And it's like, when she says he punched me in the stomach, Chris Rock doesn't react, which bothered me. Yeah. I think he's too angry. And even he said it because he, he hears one thing and latches onto it. Like she mm-hmm. says, he, he had my soul near his crutch and I had to get it. And it just seems that like he got tunnel vision after that. Cause she keeps on mm-hmm. saying, no, 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 no. I'm trying to tell you. And he's like, what you're saying is that you grabbed his junk. And she's like, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. And then she even clarifies that I did not grab his penis. She clarifies. And then he's just like, oh, so you either crazy psycho bitch or you're not yeah. crazy psycho bitch. Yeah. By the end of the movie, I, I was, I, you know, as much as I understood Chris Rock's frustration throughout the movie, by the yeah. end of the movie, I don't know why he's really mad at her. Like they have this fight and he's sort of borderline. He's ready to kind of break up with her. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't understand why, like yeah. they, it was, you know, there's an, uh, because his daughter saw the boyfriend buying weed in front of her and, uh, you know, Chris Rock explained the way by saying, oh, it's grass from Central Park because people in, in France, they don't have grass. And then the daughter goes and she gets grass from Central Park and tries to sell it yeah. to somebody at, at, at the Art, Gepley's yeah. art show. Which is, which is humorous. Which is it's, humorous. That's, it's cute. Yeah. And then he does react to it in a way where he's angry. But it's like, okay, the guy's already gone. Yeah, that's what she says. You know? And I and I like she said it to him. And he was like, what am I supposed to do? He's gone. I've done that. And then I'm like, you're 100% right, <laughs> James. Yeah. You're 100% right. And it doesn't really feel like he should be, this is a reason to even threaten breaking up, you know? So you're 100% right. Is the, that- the family is horribly annoying. And I absolutely would have, after the incident with him basically being humiliated in front of like a colleague who was trying to set him up with an interview with Obama, uh, I absolutely would have understood his, like, I want them out. But up till then, it was sort of like, okay, this is your your partner's family. You don't have to like them, but you do have to put up with them. And he seemed to just really be done with them very, very quickly. And the boyfriend, I 100% understood. And I will say, too, there was a, a moment after the boyfriend buys his weed where Chris Rock gets in his face. Yeah. And I thought, oh, man, I really wish Will Smith could see that look on Chris Rock's face. <laughs> well done, Jeez, you did it. I don't, I don't have my soundboard. You would have got one. That was good, though. I like that, James. <laughs> James, i got to be an asshole and ask you something, man. Mm. I would be remiss. I would really be remiss. So in that last clip, we heard Judy Depley say, once I got Chris Rock in my mind, I just couldn't do it with anyone else. And I've got to be honest with you, James. My question was why? Yeah. I mean, the guy who was the star of the 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 previous movie that Adam Goldberg, he's not exactly, I mean, he's, he's fine. He was in uh, saving private Ryan. Yeah. So he, he can act, but he's not exactly the, like Chris Rock in, in my mind. I mean, and and having not seen the first movie, Chris Rock would be a step up, but he didn't really do anything 
Yeah. You you kind of almost have to think of Chris Rock as an outside the box choice. Like I want yeah. Chris Rock, but I don't want him to act like Chris Rock. Yeah. Uh, and I think up to this point too. I mean, I I think this was after top five. I was about I to top... ask you. I was just about to ask you when top five because I'm wondering if Chris Rock was putting the feelers out there to say, you know, I want to do different kind of movies. I want to be a more serious actor. Because up to that point, he had done like two or three movies where he's been a bit more serious. Like even before Top 5, he did that movie, I Think I Love My Wife with Kerry Washington, which was mm-hmm. again a bit more of a drama, a little bit. It was comedic, comedic, but a little bit more of a drama. So I wonder if you put the feelings out there. But when she just said that, I couldn't get anyone else, you know, I couldn't put anyone else there. Because I just thought to myself, really? I mean, especially someone like yourself who works in independent cinema and Chris Rock mm-hmm. hasn't really been known to work that circuit. Now, Chris Rock is a step up in terms of general American star power, no doubt. But yes. in terms of an actual, yes. uh, sorry, Chris, I love you, but ranged actor, I'm like, you know, and Judy doesn't even strike me as someone who, you know, stunt cast either. So I'm yeah. just surprised. And for what he delivered in the final product, which isn't bad, no, she might have got what she wanted. You know, she might have got all the star power with a decent actor, but to me, it's kind of an anomaly to me. Like, what was this about? Like, it almost feels like the only explanation I'd have for it is that if she, and I, I don't know if there were, was any indication that she really is inspired by Woody Allen, but Chris Rock is a pretty outspoken Woody Allen fan. Yes, yes, and always yes, has yes, been. Yes, yes, That's yes. the only connection i can see is where she would have heard that because i don't know because she the the way that in that clip that you played it makes it sound like she reached out to his agent and didn't know him so it's not like maybe if they had a they were friends in real life and she was like well i know what he's like in real life so he'd be he'd be good for this um but they they didn't so you're right i have no i have no idea why it wouldn't just be the guy from the first movie, except for the fact that maybe she wanted to play with like this, this racism that, um, that the boyfriend character has his, the sister's boyfriend where, you know, which even that, that was the stuff that kind of, I was like, okay, he's French. He's not an idiot. <laughs> like I, they have black people in France. So I, I don't, it, they, they make it like Chris Rock is the first black person he's ever met. And he's just trying way too hard. Yeah, which is the most obvious joke they can make. I was expecting that hand over fist. And to be honest with you, they, they pushed it a lot with that joke. But I was surprised they didn't milk it even harder. But then, you know, Judy Debley, I don't know if you know this, she, was, she got in trouble for saying something. I wouldn't even call it racist per se. You know, when all of um, the Oscar so white thing was happening, she made a comment saying that, yeah, a lot of white, you know, men are winning this year. And then obviously the internet jumped in there, oh, you racist. And then she was like, oh, shit, man. You know, I w- almost wish I was black because I would have a thicker <laughs> skin to these comments or something. And then, boy, she got a lot of hate for saying that. And she later apologized. Um, on a side note, James, while you were talking, I had to Google Judy Depley, Woody Allen, and what came up? Judy Depley has revealed that she loves comparison Woody Allen. She loves Woody Allen, loves mm. his movies, so she's a big fan. Okay. Well, that 
that to me is then that's the only explanation as to why her mind would go to Chris Rock is mm. because she's like, I'm making a Woody Allen kind of movie. I want somebody who is also a Woody Allen fan. And that's the only explanation I can think of because you're right. There's there's nothing about this performance that necessarily screams Chris Rock. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, let me play the next clip, which again was, you know, expect expectations be damned. And I like Julie Deppley not giving people what they probably thought they would have got through looking at the post of the movie, like myself, comedy. Here's a clip where they were talking about comedy in movies and stuff. And I just took this part out because I thought it was funny that, again, this is more of a dry comedy, dark comedy movie, in my opinion. And, you know, this is what they had to say about com comedy in movies and stuff, especially when they're making it. I like drama. Like, I like, I like, I like, I like, I like to watch drama. But doing, yeah, to comedy. do drama, I like to have some laughs. Even in the most dramatic things, you can get a laugh. I yeah, find. I mean, making people laugh is a very nice feeling when it works. It's really, it's right. It's next amazing. To it's right next to orgasm. It's like the highest thing yeah. you can get out of a person. You it's make great. Them laugh. Making people laugh. People have such, you know, I mean, I feel like in my life, when I can get a laugh, when I can laugh myself, <laughs> it's a wonderful time. Like there's nothing better than sitting with friends, having a laugh or writing something with friends, having a laugh, writing it. It's the best. Shooting it, having a laugh, shooting it you and making people laugh at the end of it. You Think know, of the, the, the favorite people in your life. They either made you laugh or come. That's it. <laughs> These are the people <laughs> that you want to be around. No, but like, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I These love These are laughing. the indispensable people. You know, when I hear Chris Rock, I'm just, I, I know for a fact, when they were making this movie, they were probably laughing their fucking asses off. Between the madness of the family, Chris not making jokes in between the scenes, they probably had a hell of a time. But all of that is not in the movie. <laughs> uh -huh. Not really. Chris Rock is playing deadpan, except for that Obama stuff, which is kind of like, just, just weird. It felt like... Uh... Because it's all very, very pro-positive Obama. And oh, yeah. it felt like that was just Julie Delpley's thing. Like, you know, oh, I'm so excited about Obama. I want to put a bunch of that stuff in the movie. And it's like, all right. I mean, this is 2012. I was excited about Obama in 2008. By 2012, <laughs> most of us were like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the norm, exactly. Like, you know, that, was, that wasn't as great as we thought it would be. <laughs> but, like... I don't know. You're right. It is weird that unless this was her, because it sounds like she is just a little bit tone deaf about this stuff. Maybe she was like, well, I'm, I'm going to have a black guy in the movie, so he's got to be obsessed with Obama. I want to give her the benefit of the doubt and see she's not that out of touch. <laughs> I, I hope not. You know, I want to say this. So when I was watching this movie, and it's so close to, I think after this, you obviously did before Midnight with Ethan Hawke and uh, Rich Linklater. The way that movie ended, and I think we even said this in our Before Midnight Review, if she was to write her own movie, I would have thought it would be the most drab, depressing, like I thought it would be like the last 10 minutes of Before Midnight for an hour and a half. I thought if Judy Depp mm. could make her own romantic drama, you know, about a relationship, it would be before midnight times 10. So seeing, and I kind of want to wrap my thoughts up with saying this. So seeing this 
movie to see actually she's got a little bit more to say her characters are a lot more three-dimensional it's not all doom and gloom but in terms of you know even i'm british man i know what dry comedy is i know how you could <laughs> i know how you can not outwardly be funny but be hilarious and willie allen's a fucking master at that too and i don't know if she's really 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 going for that but her comedy or her trying to be it just it really didn't work for me and i don't and i should say this for the record because someone probably heard me through this whole discussion thinking she's not trying to be woody fucking allen she, yeah you know if that if if that came across as what i was trying to say no in no way or form do i think she's trying to ape woody allen in fact as james said i 125 percent agree with him it's not even like kenneth Branagh, where it's just an imitation this is natural this is just something i could see woody allen doing himself and that is my biggest credit to her i'm so mm-hmm. surprised that she wrote and directed so well everything with her family and you know whether it's a stereotype or over the top it feels natural if and, and you know for all the people that do love this movie and for the record looking on rotten tomatoes and imdb there seems to be critics like this movie but audience not as much in general people on the whole like the first movie more where again i thought like the first movie is just even stronger than this one but if you've seen both movies for me this is the movie where she's wanted to focus more on the family aspect chris rock to be harsh is kind of an afterthought she said she wanted to explore another relationship with another man the fact he's black doesn't even really play into it in my opinion that just is something for the family to play off with basic racial jokes and which is not even offensive this is weak so the relationship between her and chris what isn't explored and one thing you said that i will end on james where the movie ends is surprisingly cheesy and Mm -hmm. surprisingly corny but i was like the end of before midnight is like that and then you and your movie like this (laughs) i was like okay all right and you have full control you vote and direct and this is how you end the movie you know and you know she could very well do a third movie and you know this could be not i wouldn't say undone but we could end in another darker period where she's in another relationship with another actor da, da, da. i don't know if she will she might she might not i don't know but although i'm impressed with this film in terms of craft in terms of what i thought i was going to get I'm kind of disappointed watching the first movie after this one actually helped me put things in context. So I would say, you know, if you look at this movie and see Judy Depp and Chris Rock and you've seen before, you think, Oh, this could be nice. And you know, da, da, da. Uh, go watch the first movie first, then watch this one. And you'll see, this is like a continuing story of uh, a person, a character that's ongoing. This works on its own. Don't get me wrong but you might write it off as kind of this weird family, you know, weird, weird manic movie about a, a French family and a black guy mm-hmm. that you just don't get. But if you watch it in context, you might see the whole picture. And for that, in terms of craft, you know, I think it was a, a very interesting, good pick. For some reason, I forgot seeing the first movie altogether. I don't know how, but James in finality, I do appreciate you bringing up this movie because, uh, it really does bring things full circle to me. And it, you know, I, I kind of wish that I had seen the first movie because there, there is like the the whole the the framing device of the her doing a puppet show, 
And I guess the puppet show in the beginning of the movie is recapping the first movie, yeah. which again, if I, I didn't see the first movie and I didn't, I wasn't lost or anything. Hmm. Um, it does make me wonder why now that I know that, like you could have just had it be Adam Goldberg again. Mm-hmm. You could have just continued on the same relationship. And I don't know if that she maybe in real life, she went through a breakup and got with somebody else. And she was like, well, I'd like to explore like what, what that is. I don't know. It, the, the movie to me, the, it, it made me laugh, which when the movie started, I was nervous about because once the family gets involved, like she actually plays up more French stereotypes than she does black stereotypes. Sure. Uh, She plays against black stereotypes, you know, Chris Rock, the, the, you know, the the sister's boyfriend keeps trying to relate to him as a black guy. And Chris Rock is like, I'm, I'm black. I'm not like a stereotype. And but the but then for her, she's got like her father trying to sneak in sausages and cheese into America and being very sort of stereotypically French. The sister just walking around naked all the time. And that was the stuff that didn't work for me. The stuff where it did focus on her or her relationship with Chris Rock, that stuff worked for me. The stuff with the family, the family is just so over the top Mm -hmm. that whenever they're there, it's just noise. Yeah. And to like what that's, that's the funny thing is, like I said, the first half of the movie, I didn't know what they were saying. When I turned on the subtitles, I was like, okay, now I know what they're saying, but I don't know why they're saying it because they're just being the father, especially like the father. It's almost like they should have set it up that he's had a head injury or something because mm. the way he acts is just so bizarre. And he, he's a bit more, to... he's a bit more mellow in the first movie, by the way. <laughs> Well, I mean, in this one, he's kind of a lunatic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought the stuff with her and her sister was... I, I didn't mind that stuff. The sister is sort of obnoxious, but I could see that being like, a, okay, my sister's crazy, but we still love each other kind of a thing. But when you threw the boyfriend into the mix, mm-hmm. and I guess the, there must be more of a backstory to that because I looked it up and that actor was in the first movie, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the boyfriend yep. character. Yep, yep. I don't know. I don't... as soon as he was gone from the movie to me it improved that first half of the movie with him in it is rough uh the second half of the movie not so much so except for really the end the end just everything after the part where she leaves her art show i didn't know why chris rock was mad i didn't know why she was you know and and that's another kind of uh, a little stereotype that Julie Delpy throws in is like Chris Rock finds out that she's pregnant. He's like, that's why she's acting crazy. If a man put that in a movie, Julie Delpy would be pissed off. Of course. That explains everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's your hormones. <laughs> women, women are just crazy when yeah. they're pregnant. And I really never even felt like her character acted that crazy until she you know leaves her art show at that point that's it's like both her and chris rock stop being the characters that they've been through the whole movie and the part where she gets herself killed yeah at the end yeah (laughs) and it it just yeah the ending was was a big 
let down for me. The rest of the movie, when it's focusing on her or when it's focusing on them as a couple, I liked it. I will agree the family, mostly the, the father and the boyfriend are are a bit much. And they're it's it's not it's not I don't find the father to be a fun character. I think she wants him to be a fun, lovable character. I found him to be creepy and uh, kind of just obnoxious. And I don't know, like I said, it's a, it's a mixed review for me. It is, it would lean more towards the positive because it did get some laughs out of me. Hmm. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's the thing with her that it just must be her in real life, that she does have this anger and she doesn't always know where to direct it. And I, you know, we, we commented about that, especially in Before Midnight, but uh, also a little bit in Before uh, Sunset, yeah, where her character is just so angry all the time. And I know that that to me is the thing that keeps this movie from being great yeah. is that she's just a little bit she's she's she wants to approach it from this point of anger until the end when she wants to turn it into a fairy tale. On that note, James, I got one more clip to play. You talk about being angry where in the beginning, when I spoke about that critic talking about how just like I was mm. saying, the pieces are good, but the execution and her reaction to that. Let me play that clip before we kind of wrap things up because when we're running out of time a bit, but, but yeah, man, this, uh, this was a very, I just can't believe I forgot the first movie. I'm still trying to get <laughs> over that. But I really, you really put these pieces together. So anyway, let's play that clip and then we'll, you know, wrap, wrap, wrap up the show. I think. Yes. I like it. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Thank you. So why did you use yourself as a subject? Well, I know myself pretty well, first of all. And then I thought through a study of a microcosm, I could start to understand others. So you're saying you're universal then? No, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I'm universal. You're not writing that, are you? <laughs> so pretentious. Please don't write that. No. What I'm saying is that I'm probably too shy to approach strangers, and I was genuinely interested in seeing how a relationship evolves through time. This is this is so cute. <laughs> I like the theme. Right. More than the execution. Okay. These photos are sort of um, mundane. Mundane. They're mundane, but at the same time, they're pretty. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's not bad. It's okay. If you hate the show, you can say it. It's it's fine. I can take it. Totally fine. I'm not, you know, this kind of people. Can't take criticism. But you know what? What's good is for the truth to come out. And, uh, you know, you could just say it. You hate it. You hate my show. And you know what? It's okay because actually I want to tell you something. Everyone hates you. In the art world, everyone hates you. Even outside of the art world, everyone hates you because you know what? You're an asshole. Okay? Everyone. And if I didn't have a kid, I would snap your fucking neck. And if I could, I would take every single of those pictures hey, and show it up your okay ass. Here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. thank you. This is so good. Oh, all right. Yeah, thank you. 
<laughs> I mean, when you hear that isolated, it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And, but, you know, that's how I felt about this movie to an extent. Mm-hmm. Everything, you know, the ingredients are really good, you know, but the execution for me is just, for this second movie is a bit off. I didn't love the first movie either. But I think they definitely work better together as a story because it is a story that is unfolding. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what she does with a third one. But, you know, honestly, it's just interesting to see what she's done being the creative, being complete creative control of this narrative. And from a directing perspective, you know, writing perspective, acting perspective, see what she's done. Interesting. She said this is a lot of me, a lot of my life's in this, you know, my parents in this, my thoughts as a woman, and this is what I want to put out there as a creative. You know, it's it's not uninteresting. It's not a waste of time. It's not terrible. I just thought it was, I just was expecting a little bit more. And I just don't really, if I'm being very harsh, I don't know what Chris Rock's doing here. (laughs) But, you know, you know, it is what it is. You know, good for her. And as a as a director, good job. And who knows if they'll make a third one? I mean, I'd be curious about a third one. I think, though, you're right. Like the that's a pretty the way that that critic sums it up. It's pretty good. You know, I like the subject. I don't like the execution. And there is sort of an attempt to do a lot of different kind of conflicting things here. And some of it works, and some of it doesn't. And Overall, it's a movie that while I was watching it, I wasn't, I was having a good time. It'll be a movie that, you know, just like how you forgot you saw the original movie. I'm not going to remember that I saw this movie at some point. Some point, like 10 years from now, I'll see it on a streaming service or something. And I'll be like, that looks familiar. Did I ever see that? (laughs) And to me like i don't know the 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 limitation to it is just i i don't fully connect with julie delpley as uh i think more a writer than anything else i i like her as a performer i liked her as a director but a lot of the writing it's like she's just venting and um sometimes that can be interesting for for certain people and sometimes you'll get like that scene that we made fun of in Before Midnight, where she's like, women have been dealing with this for 10,000 years. And everybody in the theater just sort of groans and goes, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and there's there's a few of those moments in this. This would be a movie that, you know, Chris Rock should absolutely be proud of his performance, even if anybody could have done it. <laughs> sure, sure. At least it showed that he could you know, that he could kind of leave that manic. Because I, I looked it up, and this did come before Top 5. Oh. Top 5 was a couple years after this. So ah. this was him trying to figure out, like, okay, mm. he's he's been playing that persona, that he, his sort of stage persona in movies for so long, where, you know, uh, he does a lot of yelling, and he, you know, kind of plays plays characters the way that he would do it when he does stand-up. And here it's just like, no, I'm just playing a guy. And he did. He just played a guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not an exceptional guy, not a even particularly interesting guy, but he did play a guy. Yeah. 
you know, and it just kind of reminded me, again, the comedian doesn't have to show all the range in the world. Look at, you know, I hate to bring this guy up, but Chris Rock will forgive me. Look at Louis C.K. Louis C.K.'s mm-hmm. show, Louis, you know, he's just playing a guy, a parent. Mm-hmm. That show's phenomenal, you know, because he's going into different things. You don't have to be the greatest actor. And that's all, that's why I think Chris Rock just needed more time. I needed to see their story more. I just yeah. wanted to see more of their story because I don't think Chris Rock playing the straight guy having enough to do was bad. The story of him, you know, when they were talking about they worked together, I would have been interested to see them work together. Mm-hmm. Just a movie for an hour, how they fall in love working together. That movie is a movie I want to see. I just wanted to see them interact. But instead, I just get to see him bitch with a crazy family. So I don't want to moan on and on and on about this because I just feel like I'm harping on too much. Um, to- I th- you know what? Actually, what it made me think. Basically, it it's like what you're saying is this movie is before midnight, but we didn't get the setup. We just get dropped into before midnight. I guess, yeah, yeah. If we didn't see the other two, you mean? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And obviously, the arguments weren't that heavy. Like the heavy, the argument. No, no. When that was so heavy, this is not as much. You know, this is not as much. Um, Junie Depley, by the way, the two, these two movies, this and um, this movie and the first one was co-in production with Netflix. And the first movie was in 2007. And when I watched it on the opening, I saw a Netflix company. I'm like, damn. And then I watched this movie and I saw a Netflix. Uh, I saw Netflix in conjunction with Netflix. I'm like, damn, that's good. That's good. So Junie Depley, even today, she's doing a series. And I think it's an ongoing series just last year called On The Verge. With Elizabeth Shue. Now I forgot. I was meant to watch the trailer, and then tell you what I thought of it. Because you know she is an actress that is not hard for work. She is consistently working, and I'm only saying that because I don't know if anyone listening thinks I'm not a Judy Deppley fan. I'm a big fan. I think she's phenomenal. I really do. And I, if we didn't say it's enough, other free reviews. I want to see her do another before movie. I think mm-hmm. her and Ethan Hawke and Richard Linklater have got something fantastic together. And I want to see him continue that story. And I'm still of the belief they will. It's it's just the older they get, the more experience they have, and the trajectory of both of their careers, I think they have a lot to say, and I'm looking forward to that. And they're both... And I think Jenny Depp said she was retiring. That's what she said. That's why she said she wasn't even going to do another movie. Then how is she doing this series with Elizabeth Shue now? What's going on, Judy? Don't lie. <laughs> yeah, she might have gotten so much because I remember when that happened. When they were, there was like, oh, we're going to make a fourth one, and then it turned. Then somehow it came out that she was the one that didn't want to do it, and everybody yeah. gave her so much shit. Maybe yep. she was just like, well, then fuck you. I'm just never going to do it. Yeah, pretty much. And here's the thing: before she got with Ethan Hawke in the first movie, before Sunset, she had she was oh, rising in the American French actors community. She did so many movies, but even on the Wikipedia. It says before um, Sunset took her to a whole new level. Even though mm-hmm. I think she worked with, um, was it Martin Brando? I think she worked with two bigger actors than Ethan Hawke before, before uh, Sunrise. And that movie still propelled her higher than anything. People love and adore that series, like me and you do. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a great story. And it's a story about life and people's experiences. And, you know, she's attempted to do something like that with this movie as well. You know, it didn't fall on his face. You know, it's interesting to see the lives of these people. It's just, you know, it's just to me, 
if I had to compare, uh, you know, there's, there's no comparison between this and the before trilogy. But I'm just saying, um, I want her to continue doing more stuff. And, you know, I, I'm going to check out the series she's done. I'm actually interested to see what else she would do as a director. And we praise Ethan Hawke and um, Richard a lot. I'm glad, I'm so glad you brought this movie up to showing a strong woman, producer, rising, doing a lot of stuff. So good on her and thank you, James. Even though I know that sounds like me ass kissing and brown nose. <laughs> <laughs> I know how it sounds, but I'm glad you brought this movie up for that because we, you know, she deserved it. And, you know, it's good to shine a light on her. So if anyone, I recommend watching both of the movies. I think you get the best deal. And if James, if you decide to go back and watch it, you know, Maybe we'll just have a little talk on it. Maybe in another Judy Deppy movie we might discuss sometime. Yeah, I'm before that. Cool. All right, so on that note, we are going to wrap up this discussion. It was a much longer one, but James, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think we've said everything we wanted to say, if I'm not wrong. I think so. For a movie that both of us just went, that was all right. <laughs> <laughs> that is how we do on the Woody Adjacent Project. So... Before we sign off, I have a short announcement to make and I'm going to be super pessimistic about this because honestly, I would be very surprised if much came of this. But in an effort to change things up and, you know, now that we're on the Manic Expression YouTube channel, I wanted to get a bit more social engagement. So let's see what you guys think about this. So a couple of years ago, listeners might know that I did a podcast Pre another podcast project called the voice of mail podcast it was a voice mail podcast we took voicemails from the public and then we interjected into podcast da, 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 da. and i thought you know what we got followers we got listeners i'm gonna open a voicemail line to our listeners so i'm gonna put this link in the description of this podcast i'm just gonna say it for those who don't want to click on the link it's gonna be woody.voiceofmail.com if you go to Woody, W-O-O-D-Y dot voice of mail, V-O-I-C-E-O-F-M-A-I-L dot com, it will be in the description as well. You'll be presented with a link that you can see on your smartphone or your laptop. Any device with a microphone integrated, you can send us a voicemail. You have 90 seconds to send us a voicemail. And because it's the Woody Allen, you know, podcast project, make it relevant. You can talk about a favorite Woody Allen movie, a movie you want us to review, an opinion on a movie we've already discussed. And, you know, if we get a lot of, you know, uh, messages, we'll make a podcast episode about it. Or if we only get a few, we'll just interject it at the end or, you know, however. Now, the reason why I said I was pessimistic about the outcome of this, because even on our podcast, uh, even on our voicemail podcast show, you know, there wasn't as many submissions as we hoped. But this is different. It's a different show. You guys might be vocal about something, you know, to a to a point, we'll even play critical voicemails. So if you've got a bone to pick, as long as you're not a complete fucking troll, I don't mind playing it. So again, I will put the link in the podcast description. But if for some reason you can't get that link, it is woody.voiceofmail.com. It doesn't cost you a penny. You know, and do not do not worry about if you're outside or you're not. It doesn't matter. Just go for it. If you've got something in your mind, if you just want to send a voice for saying, I love interiors. I hate your review. My name's this, that, and the other. You can use a fake name, but I'm just leaving, you know, the interaction window open for you to do that. 
James, what do you think? Uh, this sounds interesting and slightly dangerous. I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to filter it so it isn't going to just be bullshit, but I just thought it would be a way to, you know, mix things up, make it open the door for people who want to interact more. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious as to see what would happen. <laughs> I can hear the hesitancy in James' voice. He's like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. But I'll put that link in the podcast description. James, that is it. That is my big announcement. Is there any first, anything else you want to say before I ask you for your you know, contact details? Uh, well, I just want to say thank you to everybody who, uh, who's who been signing up to the Manic Expression channel and watching the videos and giving us uh, the thumbs up. We are... We're just starting out, and it's gonna it's gonna be slow at first. Uh, the channel is, you know, there hasn't been any content on it for a few years, and uh, but uh, to everybody out there who's been supporting us and uh, you know patting us on the back, I really appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm always there for the support as well, James. So where can the people reach you directly if they want to get in contact? Uh, well, you can find me now at uh, Manic Expression on YouTube. And my uh, books are available on Amazon. Of course, the link to the YouTube channel and James's books will be in the description as well. You can find me at Planet Tyro on Twitter. But if you want to connect, leave a comment down in the comment section below. Or don't forget our new voicemail, woody.voicemail.com send us a voicemail and let's hear your voice on that note guys thank you for subscribing thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you on the next recording